Uh, I guess it's uh, very appropriate, uh, this close to Christmas Day, two days away, to uh, go to the God's Word and remind ourselves of exactly what happened on that day 2,000 years ago. And so I'm going to read from Luke's Gospel, just uh, seven verses. But Luke says that now it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census should be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, <clears throat> because he was of the house and the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, <clears throat> who was engaged to him and was with child. And it came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, which is a feeding trough, because there was no room for them in the inn. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. <clears throat> I'm going to have a word of prayer, and following uh, that uh, prayer, there's going to be uh, a prelude, a, a, a musical duet with our ladies on the keyboards. And following that, uh, David Howard is going to come and uh, sing for us. Many of you know David, but if you don't, uh, David and his wife Leslie uh, have raised uh, seven children. Do I have it right? Seven? Uh, uh, her parents were very impressed by that because Leslie was an only child. <laughs> David's parents said, that's nothing. You know, you're, you're nothing because his father had 13. <laughs> but they're, they're content with their seven. But friendship with David and Leslie go back many, many years. And they've been a part of, uh, of the church family uh, at Deerfoot Community Bible Church before uh, the merger. And it's good to, to see them back. But David, uh, God has uh, not only gifted him in his work of construction, but he's uh, a wonderful singer. I used to tell people, if you let him build your house, he'll sing for you <clears throat> while he's building the house. <clears throat> and he told me that never worked out. And that's okay. But let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. And following prayer... We'll enjoy this musical duet, and then you'll enjoy uh, David as he comes to sing. <clears throat> but Father, we do uh, put our hearts together, <clears throat> and we thank you that you're giving us this wonderful opportunity to gather together and to spend time in worship. And as we have read from Luke's account, something very special happened 2,000 years ago. Uh, you became a man. The eternal Son of God became the incarnate Son of God. And that little baby in that manger, 
he would grow to be a man and then he would fulfill his destiny for the reason that he came. He came to die. He came to die in the place of sinners. He died on the cross and the sin of the world was placed upon him. And he atoned for our sin. He satisfied all that God demanded for sin. So that now whosoever will may come and find forgiveness, find the gift of eternal life. And so, Father, we celebrate these days, uh, the Christmas season, and there's just uh, so much that's been added to it since that first Christmas 2,000 years ago. And we love our traditions, and we love uh, the festivities, and we love the lights. We love uh, the concept of giving gifts to one another to express our love. But, Father, all of that would have very, very little meaning if we were not doing all that as those who have received the gift of eternal life through Christ. It's because... We have put our trust in Christ as the one who died on the cross for me, for each of us. It's because we've been reborn. It's because we've been justified by faith in Christ that we can enter into all these traditions and, and enjoy them to the fullest, but realizing that they have no ultimate significance if we don't celebrate the reality that you loved us so much that you became one of us. And then you took our place. And you punished your son. And you punished him and satisfied all that you would demand from, from each of us. And so, Father, uh, not just today, but throughout uh, the next couple of days as we finish the Christmas season, may we never cease to just... Uh, give thanks to you and to worship your son who was that beautiful little baby but he became the man Christ Jesus and he walked through the streets of Jerusalem and he was spit at and he was cursed and eventually he was crucified and upon him were our sins we thank you that you loved us enough father to give us this gift of life May today be a great time of worship. We look forward to the singing, to the ministry of the word, to our hearts, and we give you praise and thanksgiving for all of it. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
I'll have to correct George on just one thing. Where's George? Daddy had 14 kids, not 13. Did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on a water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you that you've delivered will soon deliver you Mary did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man Mary did you know that your baby boy would calm a storm with his hand did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, and the dead will live again. speak the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know your baby boy will one day rule the nations. And did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect land? And the sleeping child you're holding, he's a grave. that so much. It uh, helps us to get into the time when we can all worship together. We can 
Uh, we've got a good crowd here today. We're ready to worship and we're ready to remember all that what Christ has done for us by coming. And, uh, and everything that God had planned is just uh, wonderful. So, oh come, all ye faithful. Are you joyful? Are you triumphant? And come ye, oh come ye to Bethlehem. And let's come and worship the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Let's all stand as we sing.
Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plain, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. of God that taketh away the sin of the world. We sing of that Savior this morning. Let's crown him.
again behold the lamb behold the lamb of god let's sing out one more time please
I was sitting down there watching the video, and um, there's something in the video that I was thinking, well, we'll make sure that we're clear on, and and I'm like, but Lord, I've got this message on shepherds, and you know that, and um, so I'm just going to share with you something on that video, and I'm going to take you to some scripture because it says in that video it talked about having eternal life that he's given us eternal life and I thought well there may be some in here that have a wrong understanding that it's just something you get um, but you have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior in order to get eternal life with God um, and so I wasn't troubled by the video I, it just was like there was an assumption that everyone in here then is a believer. I don't know that that's a good assumption. Do you? So I want you to take your Bibles. We'll go to 1 John first. How about that? If you're visiting with us today, really glad you're here. Um, and I guess the most important question that anyone could ask you is, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? <laughs> you know, Christmas um, is starting to bother me in our culture. Now, I'm not sure how you're going to take this. and um, Part of me doesn't care. But, um, you know, look, I like Christmas trees. And the Lord knows I love food, Right? Um, I love being with my family. I love being with friends. I love Christmas lights. Uh, I used to take my grandmother every year. We'd go around and look at Christmas lights. I, I like doing that. But it seems to me that even in the church today, there's a movement away from the meaning of Christmas. There just doesn't seem to be the focus. And you're like, hey, Thad, we're here today. Yeah, but it's not just about you being here. I mean, it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate the birth of the Savior. There is no other Savior other than Christ the Lord. And so I was thinking, you know, maybe there's some in here today that don't know Christ the Lord. And you need to know what Jesus Christ the Lord did. And since we're not turning to Luke 2, do you know that scene in Luke 2 is quite amazing? And I was really going to focus this morning on the response of the shepherds. And I'm going to give you something just for a second about that. Do you know after they go to see the Messiah, the Bible says that um, they just start telling people. And, and the audience is not identified. I mean, it doesn't have a breakdown. Well, they went and told 20 people or 30 people or 40. They just went and told people that the Messiah had been born. You talk about change in their lives. I mean, they're out there, right? Tending their flocks, guarding their flocks, and all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appears. And then you have this heavenly host. 
I mean, I can't even imagine what that must have been like. And that word host there in the Greek is army, tens of thousands of angels. And they announce the birth of the Messiah. And you know what these guys do? They just go. I've always wanted to know, did all of them go? <laughs> you ever thought about that? I mean, how you draw, you draw straws? Well, you can't go. I mean, after they heard what they heard, and the focus wasn't when they went to see the Messiah, the focus was not on the angels that they saw. The focus was on the message they heard, that the Messiah had been born. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Study it this afternoon. If you want my notes, maybe we'll go there next week. I want you to go to 1 John 5. I want us to look just at a couple of verses here today. Look at verse 11. And the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life. Now in the context of 1 John, the us there, right, refers to the apostles and believers. Those who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Um, did you know, though, if you were to die not believing the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you have eternal life too? Do you know that? Except your life will be away from the Son. Your life will be away from the Christ. We have time. I want you to go to Luke 16. I want to show you something real quick. We'll come back to 1 John 5. I'm just being led by the Spirit up here. I'm, <laughs> he's just having me turn. That's all I can tell you. Luke, Luke 16. And it's the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Look at verse 19. There's just one thing I wanted to emphasize here because, I, I mean, it's just incredible. Verse 19 of Luke 16. Now, there was a certain rich man. He habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, gaily living in splendor every day. He doesn't have a care in the world. He's doing fine. He's a rich man, right? He's good. Thinking, man, that's our culture today, right? Doing just fine. Don't need the Lord. A certain poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate covered with sores, longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. That's nasty. Verse 22. Now it came about that the poor man died and he was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom, a place of comfort. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, a place of torment, that's what that is, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. Look at this. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus, look at this next phrase, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. This is a picture, my friends, of what hell will be. It's a real place. And do you know that the rich man still wants that drop of water to cool off his tongue? Look at verse 25. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things. 
and likewise Lazarus, bad things. But now he is being comforted here, and you're in agony. Besides all this between us and you, there is a great chasm fixed, in order that those who wish to come over from here to you may not be able, and that none may cross over from there to us. And look at this response. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. I'm thinking, you know, our culture thinks, yeah, you know, hell, how bad could it be? I've even heard people say, I have reservations there. I'm going to bust it wide open. There's going to be a great big party. Answer, no. No, there's not. This picture here is a place of torment. And you and I can't even fathom what eternal means. We're used to in life, right, those get-out-of-jail-free cards, aren't we? He was told, look, we can't do anything, right, Abraham? Hey, nothing can be done for you. The, the message here from the rich man is, listen, somebody go to my brothers. Notice verse 29, but Abraham said they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear him, them. What's he saying? They have the message. It's been delivered. Moses has given it. The prophets have given it. And today, listen, guys, we've been given the full revelation of God. We have it all. People say, well, I, don't know, I don't know what it is to know the Lord. Well, look at what the Bible says. I don't know what it means to be saved. Well, don't, don't go just ask any Joe on the corner. Look at what the Bible says. Right? I get a little excited because, you know, I love all of you. I don't know all of you, but I love you. And I want you to know Christ as your as Savior if you don't. But I can't drag you to the cross, and I can't make you believe. But you look at this man here, he says, go to my brothers. Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, but he said, no, Father Abraham, but if, some, look at this, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses... And the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. And my friends, Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And there are people today that reject the message day after day after day after day. I just wanted to show you that little phrase there. You know, that drop of water on his tongue. I thought, man, that's a picture. Listen, people, that's a picture of what hell will be. Can you imagine being in a place of torment, not consumed by the fire, and having your tongue, right, like it is, so desiring just a drop of water and never being satisfied? Well, go back to 1 John 5. 
So the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son and there is salvation in no other name. That's what Peter preached in Acts chapter four. Look at verse 12. He who has the son has the life. So the question then is, do you have the son? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ today as your savior? Have you acknowledged today that you are a sinner? Separated from God. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. So when that video was being shown, I was like, well, I know I have eternal life in Christ. I know where I stand today. How about you? Do you know? And I hope you do. Notice verse 13. John says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. You say, well, what did Jesus do for me? I'm glad you asked. Go to 1 Corinthians with me, chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. What did the Son do? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 1. This has always kind of uh, taken me back, verse 1. I mean, the Corinthian church was a messed up group of folks. And rightly so, he's sharing the gospel. Notice what he says. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you which also you received and which also you stand. Now look at this. By which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And here it is. That Christ died for our what? Sin. You know what man tends to do? Look at man and say, I'm not as bad as that dude. I mean, if God's going to take that dude, he's going to take me. Man, how bad is that theology? My friends, all of us deserve eternal punishment away from the presence of the Lord. And it's only by his grace that we're saved. He died for our sins. And when you think about it, I don't know if you ever stopped and really thought about this, but nothing else would satisfy the wrath of God. Nothing else. And I was thinking this week, I watched uh, Paul the Apostle on that movie. I, I taped it, I watched it. And I was like, man, these apostles, they were sold out dudes. They were different guys. And do you know they had something in common, many things in common, but one thing they had in common is they were convinced of who they believed. <laughs> and what he had done for them. So he died for our sins according to the scriptures. Look at verse 4. And that he was buried... 
and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, Peter, then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. <laughs> Christ is alive. So this eternal life, guys, it's real. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will spend eternity with the Lord. Period. Not because I say so, but because the Bible says so. John writes, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God... And I really love the end of the verse. In order that you may know that you have eternal life. Isn't it nice when you're convinced of something? Man, it's, just, it's really good. Sometimes our faith is in what we see or experience. But my friend, salvation is based on who we have not seen. We haven't seen Christ. None of us in this room have seen Christ. But one day those who believe will see Christ. Face to face in all his glory. And you know as an unbeliever, if you don't know Christ, and I just, I would hate that for anyone, you'll still stand before him. And you'll be judged based on your works. John writes, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you have eternal life today in Christ? Do you know Him as your Savior? I want to close this time with Luke chapter 2. I want to take you there. I was going to show you a lot of things about these shepherds. I just want to just read this last section. Look in verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were frightened. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which shall be for all the people. You know how that literally reads? I evangelize to you a great joy. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Prophecy being fulfilled. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. It's, I always, verse 12 is interesting. There's an assumption made there that these guys are going. Look at verse 13. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. It came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem. Notice the focus of these guys. Let us go straight 
to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste, no wasted time. They found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. Verse 17, and when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. What was the statement that had been told them? Verse 11 is the statement. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Look at this. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And look at verse 17. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it marveled at the things which were told by them, told them by the shepherds. Verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen just as had been told them. I love the fact that these guys were so changed that they went back and told people. We don't know who, but they just went back testifying and witnessing, right? They were the first witnesses. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ today, you have something to share. You have something to testify to. We understand, right, that thing about being witnesses. Years, right, we can use it in different contexts. I was a witness to the kick six. You guys remember the kick six? Uh, some of you are going to go, I was in Auburn. And I saw a kick that Alabama tried to make. And that ball fell a little bit short of that goalpost. And do you know what that Auburn, run, that Auburn back did? He took that ball and he went down the sidelines and he scored a touchdown. And that place was nuts. And I was there. There were many witnesses. You know what? I guarantee you one thing. That story of what they saw was told more than once. You believe that? Some of y'all saying amen. Alabama people aren't saying amen. But it happened. And all, listen, Auburn people love talking about that game. Especially if they were their witnesses. And I'm a Razorback fan and I witnessed it and I tell it. And that stadium was shaking. It was rocking. I, mean, I thought this dude was going to fall over in the upper deck. And I've heard that story over and over and over and over and over again. And there's no shame in telling it. And people aren't bashful. And you know what? It's almost like it's never been told. You know, that stuff just doesn't matter. But telling people over and over again about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that matters. That matters. And so, you know, the challenge for me is, as good as I might tell the story of the Auburn kick six game, I need to be better as a believer in telling the story of my Redeemer. 
who did not deserve what he got on the cross. But he took it for you and he took it for me. Let's pray. Well, Lord, I don't know um, why you had me necessarily move away from what you had shown me during the last week or two, but I know probably there's at least one person in this room that needs to hear that God loved them so much that he sent his only begotten son to this world to live as the perfect man. God, man. And to take the punishment that I deserve and all of us in here deserve and everyone deserves. He took that all on himself and he took the rejection of his father on himself. And he did that because he loves me and because he loves everyone in this room. To be honest, Lord, I've known you so long, I, I just marvel at those that reject you. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you so much for taking what I deserve Thank you so much because I've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior from sin. I have eternal life. And the Bible says I've been stamped by the Holy Spirit. And I pray that if there is anyone in this room today that does not know the Lord Jesus as their Savior that your spirit would convict them of their sin and their need for you, Lord. And for those of us that know you, I pray, Lord, that um, we would be so thankful and grateful for what you've done for us that we, like the shepherds, can't stop telling other people and I pray for all of us that Christmas, that our testimony would be that it's about Christ. And that when our families and friends come together at our homes, it would be about Christ. That he would be the central focus of our celebration. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for your spirit. And I thank you that your spirit directs and teaches and reminds us as believers, if we know you, of all the many blessings that we have. So I just commit your word today to those who've heard, and I pray that your spirit would work in the name of Christ. Amen.